Dear Lord, we praise you for your holiness, your purity and perfection. We praise you for your sovereignty, that you have control over all things, big and small. Lord, we praise you also because you are our refuge, unwavering in your faithful commitment to us. As we've just sung, kingdoms rise and fall, but you don't change. Thank you for the comfort that brings us. Finally, we praise you for your compassion, kindness, mercy and love towards us, though we don't deserve it. Please help us to learn more of your character and goodness today. Amen. Lord, we pray for our world, especially during the tragedies of the war in Ukraine. We lift before you all the people in Ukraine and Russia. For people affected by violence, we pray for protection and provision of essential supplies. Please especially protect the people who are vulnerable and can't flee from the conflict. We pray that refugees would find safe places to stay and be welcomed with kindness. Please heal those who have been hurt, traumatized, or have lost loved ones. Psalm 46 says that you are our refuge and strength, that you make wars cease to the ends of the earth. We ask that you exercise this power and de-escalate this crisis. Please change the hearts of the people who are focused on violence and give guidance and wisdom to leaders so that they can find a peaceful strategy. We pray that the church in Ukraine, Russia, and around the world would have the courage, strength, and resources to advocate for peace and give help to people where they can. Through this crisis, please bring people to know you and trust in you. Amen. Heavenly Father, we pray for our church. Thank you for the youth weekend away last weekend, for the opportunity to learn more about how Jesus is the good shepherd, the way, the truth, and the life, and the true vine. We pray that what was learnt would continue to be an encouragement to the pathfinders and grafties this week. We especially thank you for keeping everyone safe, for Katie Burrell being willing to share her testimony, for new friendships, good conversations in small groups, and for a united team of leaders working together in their various roles. Looking ahead, we pray for preparations for the Easter Holiday Club in April, that you will guide the planning process, that, would, that there would be enough volunteers for it to run smoothly, and for it to be an encouraging few days for everyone involved. We pray for our mission partner, Margaret, Margaret Regera, as she works in Japan with an OMF ministry sharing the gospel with universities and colleges in Sendai. We pray that she would be encouraged and strengthened to fulfill your purpose through her, for students to be receptive to the gospel and for good relations to remain between the OMF ministry and their various partners in Sendai. Amen. Finally, we pray for our continued growth and sanctification as a church family and as individuals. Help us to be rooted and built up in Jesus, strengthened in the faith and overflowing with thankfulness. Please enable us to discern your voice, guidance and truth. Help us to live in newness of life, having been made alive with Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll now lead us in the Lord's Prayer, which should appear on the screen.
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Thank you, Lisa, for praying. Uh, it's hard, isn't it, when we see uh, big, difficult things going on in uh, somewhere like Ukraine. Difficult to know what to do, isn't it? Um, but one of the things, as Lisa just did, is, is to pray. And we're going to keep praying for the situation um, at our prayer meeting on Wednesday night, Prayer 150. Um, we'd love you to join us for that. We'll be praying about some other things as well. But um, 8 o'clock in the building to 9.30, or you can join us online uh, through Zoom. Um, if you need the link, just email the office. Um, for that. And join us for some food beforehand as well at seven o'clock if you'd like that as well. You may as well have seen, hopefully, if you get some of the church emails, um, some links to some charities who are working um, with uh, Ukrainians in Ukraine and, and migrated as well um, elsewhere. Um, uh, if that's helpful to you, um, do, uh, do give financially um, if you can, or, or there might be some practical ways that you can help as well. We'll, we'll keep sending things out to you um, as the situation changes. We'll keep assessing what the best ways that we can do as a church here to, uh, to help our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Uh, just one other thing to mention as well, coming up uh, a week tomorrow, uh, we've got a music training evening. Um, all of our musicians and sound desk team know about that. But actually, maybe you're, you're newer to Christchurch and uh, perhaps you'd like to get involved in the music team. This would be a brilliant thing to come to, um, a great way to meet some others uh, and to learn some new songs and to hear a bit about um, what we do with music here. So if that's you, please drop me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Um, or come along to that evening, 7.30, Monday the 14th of March. I think that's all I've got to say. Um, so uh, we're going to turn to God's words now. Lisa's going to come and read. We're carrying on our series in Colossians, um, and Scott will come and, and preach to us in a moment. Uh, why don't I pray for us as we do that? Father, thank you again that you are a faithful God, uh, that one of the many kindnesses you show us is by speaking to us in your word. So I pray that you would do that now. Um, uh, would your spirit open up your word to us and change us by what we hear and as God explains it to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. The reading is taken from Colossians chapter 2, um, verses 1 to 15. That can be found on page 1183. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you 
by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Uh, do, keep, uh, do keep that open uh, in, front of you, in front of you as we look at it together. Good morning. Uh, it's nice to see you. Well done for making it here. Uh, 13,000 people have run past the front of church this morning. 13,000 people uh, doing the Cambridge Half Marathon. 13.1 miles. Uh, no easy task. Uh, I've done a couple of half marathons myself, so I can, I can say that. Uh, here is uh, Lou and I uh, and my brother-in-law, Phil, uh, just before we ran the Great North Run back in 2018. I know what you're thinking. I look tired and I haven't even started. Uh, and that was, that was true. Uh, what, pe- what keeps people going uh, on a run like that? What keeps people running? How do you keep going mile uh, after mile uh, well, well, you do a few things, don't you? You keep a lookout for things that might get in the way. Uh, so you drink plenty of water, uh, and you eat well, uh, and you t- carry those little gel things to make sure you stay hydrated uh, and keep your energy uh, up. You do what needs to be done. You, you do the training. You, you put in the miles before the race. You have one of those fancy little watches that tells you how fast to run at different points. Uh, you remind yourself why you're doing it. Maybe uh, you're wanting to get a PB. Uh, maybe you're running it for charity. We ran uh, the Great North Run uh, that year in memory of Louise's mum, who had passed the year before, uh, and to try and raise money uh, for the British Heart Foundation. There are ways you keep yourself going when it comes to running a half marathon. But what about living for Jesus? What about living for Jesus? This morning we've come to the heart of Paul's letter to the Colossians, the goal for which he is writing, the response he's hoping to get from the Christians he's writing to, 
And verse 6 sums it up. If you've got it in front of you. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. It's what links the first and, and second part of the letter together. Paul has been commending the Colossian church for their faith in Jesus. Verse 5, just before uh, our main passage this morning, Paul speaks of his delight to see their faith. And now he's encouraging them to keep going, to continue in their life of faith in Jesus. And it's that encouragement to continue that we're going to dig into together this morning. And I hope we'll see a few things. We'll, we'll hopefully see what Paul means by continuing in Jesus. Uh, and hopefully we'll also see how, how we can do it. So here's the first, here's the first thing. Continue living for Jesus. I love verses 6 and 7. Absolutely love them. Uh, and I do know a, a little song to help you remember them. Uh, but my wife told me, don't subject them to that. Uh, so I will just read it again for us. If you want to hear the song, grab me. Uh, and I will, I will offend your ears. Uh, but let me read these verses to you again. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. The Christians in Colossae uh, had come to see the truth of who Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, the head of the body of the church, the mystery of God, and where all wisdom and knowledge is found. They'd come to recognize Jesus as their Lord and King. And now, Paul says, continue to live that way. Continue to grow and live with Jesus as Lord. And he gives us a picture of what that means in the rest of verse 7. It means being rooted and built up in him. Now, I am no gardener, uh, nor am I a builder. I don't really know what I offer uh, at home sometimes. But I can cut the grass, uh, and I can, I can kind of do a bit of Ikea furniture. Uh, it depends how big it is. Uh, but I know, I know that for a tree to grow, it needs to have roots, Roots that, that keep it sta stable. Roots that go deep, deeper into the ground to get all the nutrients it needs to grow upwards. And I know that, that for a building to be stable, for it to be built up higher, it needs to have good foundations. Continuing to live with Jesus the Lord means being rooted in him, connected to him having a relationship with him and being able to build our lives on him. It means we look, at, look to work out how we think and act under his lordship. Having Jesus establish our values, guide our thinking and direct our actions. We, we look in a lot of different places for those things. Parents and teachers, bosses, governments, social influences, films, music, friends, peers. And lots of good things can come from those. But they can't come above Jesus. 
Continuing to live for Jesus means being rooted and built up in him. And it means being strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Paul's reminding the Colossians here that the gospel they heard from Epaphras is the true message of Christ. Just as that message brought them to faith in Jesus, rooted them in him, building them up in him, so it will continue to do so. They don't need anything extra. Wonderfully, we have all we need to know about Jesus as well in God's Word, the Bible. It's where we meet Jesus. The truths we read and our taught are ones that not only bring us to faith, they're the truths that will keep us going in our faith. So continuing to live for Jesus will mean coming back to his word to deepen our relationship with him, to deepen our understanding of how he would have us live. And the last part of verse 7 tells us that continuing to live for Jesus looks like overflowing with thankfulness. And I'm going to come back to that one at the end, so that's exciting. For now, though, for now, Paul says continue to live your life for Jesus. Root yourself in him. Build yourself up in him. Be strengthened in the faith as you were taught and be thankful. If that's what it means to continue living for Jesus, how can we do it then? How can we do it? And I think Paul gives us two ways uh, in the rest of our passage. Uh, The first is this. Continue living for Jesus by looking out for danger. Continue living for Jesus by looking out for danger. Uh, Looking out for things that might get in the way of something isn't a strange idea, is it? Runners, like we've said, being aware of the dangers of dehydration and injury. Uh, Guys who are heading to exams this year or have done tests, uh, you come to the joy of revision. And what a joy it is. Uh, And I'm sure you'll be on the lookout for things that, that will potentially distract you from that, or at least your parents will be looking out for the things that may distract you in that. What's become clear is that the Colossian Christians seem to be facing challenges. Challenges when it came to living for Jesus. False teachers whose sales pitch seemed to be that they could offer something more than Jesus when it came to finding spiritual fullness. Check out verse 8 with me. See to it, no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. See to it. Keep a lookout because there are people who are teaching deceptive and hollow ideas that will not help you grow and live for Jesus. In fact, they do the opposite. Paul's saying there there are alternative understandings and views of life and spirituality that are dangerous. Uh, They're ones that we see back in chapter 2, verse 4, can sound appealing. But that we need to look out for as we continue to live for Jesus because they threaten to take us captive. They threaten to carry us away from Jesus. Now in verse 8, it's not completely clear what what human traditions Paul is exactly talking about. It could be some pagan activities. It could be um, some kind of Judaism or a mix of things. 
Uh, nor is it clear what he means by elemental spiritual forces. It could be the physical world and gods that people worshipped in relation to that. It could be general principles of a man-made religion or maybe even supernatural beings. But here's what Paul is getting at when he uses those things. People are teaching something and demanding practices that don't depend on Jesus. They're saying that rather than Jesus, you need other things to be spiritually fulfilled. Uh, And as I was thinking about this, as I was, not going to lie, struggling to get my head around the whole elemental spiritual forces thing, uh, what came to mind for me was our our culture's big idea at the moment of being true to ourselves. Uh, That idea you find everywhere these days. Music, films, adverts, social media, in schools and work. Be true to yourself is the message given. And it sounds great. And there, there are lots of good things that this phrase could mean. Uh, people sticking to their principles, displaying real integrity uh, in the face of things that are wrong. It's led to people fighting against injustice, prejudice, and exclusion because they're sticking to their beliefs. They are being true to themselves. But don't miss how deceptive this idea of being true to ourselves can also be when it's tied to our identity, when it becomes about who we are and who we want to be. Uh, In this sense, being true to ourselves means that we need to look inside to find our true selves, uh, who we feel we really are on the inside, and express that, because that's the way we'll be happy. That's the way we'll be uh, complete. That's the way we'll be satisfied. That's the way we will be fulfilled. And it can certainly look appealing when people speak about being free to be me. But it's hollow. And it's deceptive because it's taking us away from Jesus, actually. And it's making ourselves Lord. Because what it's saying is, I'll define myself. I'll rule my life rather than letting Jesus. It's saying, look how awesome I am rather than look how awesome Jesus is. It's loving ourselves rather than loving Jesus and loving others. When we come to think about ideas like this, of be true to yourself, I think Paul would be saying to us, look out for the dangers of it. Look out for how it could take us captive and pull us away from having Jesus as our Lord. Continue living for Jesus by looking out for danger. And here's the second, second way I think Paul encourages us to live for Jesus. Continue living for Jesus by looking to what he has done. Uh, my mum tells me that I'm terrible. Uh, it would be terrible if I finish the sentence there. Uh, terrible when it comes to talking. Uh, when, when we speak on the phone, she says she might as well have not called. Uh, because I'm a simple man, so I like to keep things simple and brief. Uh, so she gets one-word answers quite a lot of the time. How are you, how's your week been? Yeah, all right. How are the kids? Yeah, they're good. Uh, it's why at the moment she phones Louise more than she phones me, because uh, she gets far more. Uh, Colossians isn't a huge letter, but man, does Paul 
pack it full of massive stuff. Uh, I bet my mum would have loved a phone call with Paul. That's what I've been thinking. And in six verses, verses 9 to 15, Paul tells us some absolutely massive, huge, mind-blowing truths about Jesus. Truths that, that will help Christians he's writing to reject the false teaching that's coming at them. Reject the idea that they need to be looking at different things to be spiritually fulfilled. Because what Paul shows is that in Jesus, Christians have it all. In Jesus, Christians have it all. We are spiritually fulfilled. Look at verses 9 and 10 with me. For in Christ, Jesus, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. Jesus is fully God. And because Christians are, are in Christ, we now also experience spiritual fullness. That doesn't mean we are God. Don't mishear me. But it does mean we are as one with God as we can be. In Jesus, we aren't lacking anything. We are complete. We have all we need. We have all we need to continue growing and living for him. And what do we have? Uh, Paul gives us a few things. This isn't an exhaustive list, but he picks out a few. Uh, verses 11 to 13, we have new life. Paul uses the picture of circumcision and reminds people of their baptism to assure his readers they have new life. In Jesus, our old sinful nature has been cut off. It has died. And just as Jesus rose from the dead, so Christians have received new life. Those who believe in Jesus are no longer ruled by our sinful nature. We still sin. Paul isn't saying that doesn't happen. But in Jesus, we have new life that has been freed from the power of sin meaning we can live for Jesus. We have new life. And we have forgiveness. That's verses 13 and 14. We have forgiveness. Imagine every time you sin, every time you say, think, or do something that makes God unhappy, you owe him 10 pounds. Here's 10 pounds. But no one uses cash these days, do they? So you have your own personal little thing that you just tap your phone on every time you sin. Now, let's say I sin once a day. I hope I haven't just paid church a load of money, by the way. Um, let's say I sin once a day and I live until I'm 80, which should be enough time to see Newcastle win the league. If that is the case, that is the case, I'd owe £310,250. Uh, but let's be honest. I sin much more than once a day. My IOU to God is going to be in the millions. And as generous as church are, my salary ain't going to pay that. But sin's much more serious than a tenor. It's rebelling against the king of the universe. It's treason, even doing it once, and that deserves punishment. The reality is, nothing I do is able to take that away. How incredible, then, are verses 
14 and 15. Let me just read them to you once more. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He is taking it away, nailing it to the cross. Through what Jesus did on the cross, our IOU is dealt with. The punishment our sin deserves paid. We've been forgiven, freed from the debt of sin, and we can live for Jesus. We've been forgiven. Finally, we have victory over evil. Verses, verse 15 at the end there. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. On the cross, not only did Jesus bring us forgiveness, but he also displayed his power and victory over evil, over Satan. See, Satan had a lethal weapon he could use against us, reminding God of our IOU, the punishment that we deserved. Well, he doesn't have that now. He's been disarmed. He can't say you're not good enough for God. You sin too much to be a real Christian. How could God love someone who has done that and that and that? Through the cross, we are forgiven. Jesus takes away that weapon. He frees us from the claims of Satan to live for him. Paul says, look at what Jesus has done. Look at what he's done. In him we are as full as we can be. We have new life, forgiveness and victory over evil. In Jesus we have all we need to continue living for him. Let me, let me bring us to a close, though, by taking us back to the end of verse 7, where Paul says, overflowing with thankfulness. Where Paul says that continuing to live for Jesus will look like a life overflowing with thankfulness. Now, there are times in my life when I don't feel particularly thankful, uh, when I feel quite the opposite, actually. And I have been humbled, I have been challenged, and I've been blown away Uh, by the images and videos of Christians in the Ukraine singing and praising Jesus, thanking him in the midst of terrible, terrible times. Uh, And when you read passages like we've looked at today, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it, to be thankful. I'm not saying things are easy, at all. But it makes sense that our lives as Christians would overflow with thankfulness in any season when we remember that Jesus has brought us new life, that he's brought us forgiveness, that he has conquered evil. Even being rooted and built up tells us that isn't something we do on our own. It's something Jesus has done for us. Friends, We come to Jesus and we continue to live for Jesus because of Jesus. We come to Jesus and we continue to live for Jesus because of Jesus. Because of all he has done and continues to do for us and in us. That's why we can be thankful. Always thankful as we look to live lives 
for him. Let me pray to finish. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Lord Jesus, would that be true in our lives as we go into this week and beyond? Amen.